0: Hope it's teetering. Oh, one of those. Oh, this can be fun. <laughs> We're gonna be on a wild ride today. Welcome out, everybody. It's so good to have you this morning to come and worship with us. I'm so uh, grateful that you've chosen to come and worship with us. Uh, thank you, visitors, for coming. We're uh, always it's always good to see visitors, and we hope that you find your your uh, visit here welcoming. Um, we have the world's greatest people in my in my book. Um, and uh, it's truly a blessing to be a part of this church, but uh, if you have the, a moment, there's a should be a, a visitor's card in the back in the seat backs there, if you'd like to fill that out, and uh, let us know a little bit about you, that'd be great, and we can reach out to you and see if we can minister to you in any way. We'd love to be able to do that, that's what we're here for. All right, well, John chapter 16 is where we're going to be at this, uh, this morning, John chapter 16, 16 through 24, I have a confession, I... Last night, uh, you know, the, the band came back in, and so we had all this technical stuff that we're building back up, and, this, you know, I'm doing slides, Tara's doing slides, and um, half of the slides were uh, this week's sermon, and then half of the slides, it suddenly turned to half of the slides being last week's sermon, so mm-hmm. it was a train wreck. It was, it was good times. I promised them I would keep it, you know, what happens on Saturday night stays there, but I, g- I have to confess. But I double-checked and we have the right slides this morning. I even printed them off just in case everything goes to the wire-eye. But John chapter 16 is where we're going to be at. And we're going to be reading s- verses 16 through 24 this morning. Picking up where we left off last week. John 16, 16 through 24. The Word of God says this, A little while and you will no longer see me. Again, in a little while and you will see me. And then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me again, and a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they said, what is this he is saying? A little while. Why don't, we don't know what he's talking about. So Jesus says, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, are you asking one another about what I said? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Verse 21, And when a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been, that a joy, that a person has, that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. Verse twenty-three. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now, you have asked. Uh, for nothing in my name ask and you receive so that your joy may be complete let's pray Father God we come before your throne of grace and mercy Lord so thankful to be able to uh, have the church doors open to be able to come inside to this building Lord so grateful that we have the freedom to be able to open up your word God and to proclaim your goodness and who you are and the, the gospel message um Freely, Lord, and we're so grateful that you provided all those things. God, you have been so faithful through these last couple months. You truly are the rock that we can stand on. And so we bring you our praise this morning and, and thanksgiving, Lord, for all that you are and all that you have done and all that you will do. And God, we meet here this morning and we sing, have sung praises to your name because you are worthy of it. And now we open up your word in a form of worship, God, that we may proclaim your truth and that, Lord, our hope, our prayer is that your spirit would work in the hearts of each and every one of us. That through the reading of your word and the, the living, uh, indwelling God, indwelling the hearts of believers, Lord, that you would, you would cause us to be conformed to the image of Jesus more and more, day by day. Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity and ask that you would bless it now for your glory's sake. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. All right, so this is a little bit of a choppy passage of Scripture. I think it reads a lot better in the King James. um, That Elizabethan English just kind of flows a lot more. But uh, there's some some really good nuggets for us to, to pick out of this. And it's about sorrow turning into joy. And I think all of us in this room can attest to the fact that often we have to endure sorrow and the promise of the gospel, the gospel uh, proclamation is that ultimately the sorrow, whatever we endure in this life, whatever happens, whether that's persecution or health or anything like that, ultimately our sorrow will turn to joy because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus is demonstrating that to his disciples. As I was studying this passage, that that passage there when I talked about the birth of a baby brought me back to the times when my babies were born. And uh, I remember the first one, Gracie, I was in uh, such a state of shock that I didn't even know what was going on really. Um, And it's, uh, but it was amazing to, to see how much pain Tara was going through and how much the labor experience just was just sucking the energy out of her she was so tired but yet she just kept going on all those things that happened and um, I- and I- it was hard for me to watch i'm sure it was even harder to w- go through right i'm on thin ice right here right <laughs> to talk about how terrible it was for me <laughs> uh, but as soon as gracie was born tara didn't care about the pain anymore that sorrow, that agony that she went through because of the newborn babe, she didn't care. And that's, that's the example our, our Lord gives to us that in spite of, well, in this particular passage, he's speaking specifically to the disciples, but ultimately it comes to us that these same principles can be applied to our lives despite the sorrow, despite the grief, despite the persecution, uh, the trials in life. Ultimately, we know if we're in Jesus, that sorrow will turn to joy. Praise the Lord for that. So let's just kind of pick these verses apart a little bit, and we will um, see what else the Lord has for us in these scriptures. So the first thing that we see we, we know that we're we're talking about because we have the benefit of hindsight, right The disciples were struggling uh with what was going on they they had this still had this earthly understanding of who the messiah sh- was the messiah was to come and to to free the uh, god's people israel and to establish the davidic kingdom on earth and uh, and to free his people and the the, the 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 throne of david would rule and reign the earth and so they were expecting this military leader to come and to do these things and and to establish the uh, the, the davidic kingdom and all the known earth and and jesus did come as messiah and he did come to free people but he came not to free just israel but The world, but they had this certain understanding, and so they were still struggling of how the Messiah was to come to be the Messiah, but yet die, and they were struggling with that. And we see that because we know we've gone through John, we've seen that Jesus has told him, told the disciples a few times now, the God the the Father is going to be glorified in my death, Mm -hmm. but they're still struggling with that, and ultimately. If we don't get anything out of this, we ultimately, uh, this morning, ultimately, we see that that these guys, these disciples, are just like you and I. They're humans, and they struggle in their humanness, and then their faults, and then the, the 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 you know limited sense that we an understanding that we all face and have. And we see them struggle even as Jesus was going to the cross. We see them flee into the night. And we know Peter denied the Lord three times, and. All these things happen. And it wasn't until the indwelling of the Holy Spirit came upon them in Pentecost, where through the empowering and enabling of God the Spirit is when they truly began to have the power and the effectual ability to proclaim the gospel. And that's the message that I hope that we all take away today, that we talked about last week. The gospel is powerful, but it's not up to our slick sales pitch. It's up, it's up to God and the Holy Spirit to convict the world, as we spoke about last week, to, to be empowered, that gospel message to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And yes, it's our responsibility to proclaim it, but we also know, right, that it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict that person we're talking to of their need for Jesus. Anyway, so in the resurrection and the ascension is the title of these, these first uh, verses 16 through 22. What is Jesus talking about, right? They're like, what is he talking about? A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, they're confused. And they said, what is this what he is saying? A little while. We don't know what he's talking about. And so j- Jesus goes on to, to tell them and gives them an example of this birth, right? Uh, of, the, of the birth process. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, you are asking one another about what I am said. A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. Truly I tell you, you will not weep and mourn, or you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. And so we know what Jesus is talking about because we have the benefit of hindsight is the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He first goes to the cross and on the cross he dies and, and we know his disciples are looking at their rabbi, their their their, their Messiah, the, the one that he's, they've been following for three years and, and just completely sorrow Sorrow fills their heart because they see him dying on the cross and, and the scourge and, and that he's gone through and all the people, the crowd... Forming around the cross and and yelling insults at Jesus, and so they're sorrowful. And we see on the flip side that the cr- the world around Jesus was rejoicing. The religious leaders are like, finally we get get this guy off our back. He's, he's causing so much trouble. When we just put him to death, and we'll, when he dies, his cause will die, and his disciples will fall away. And we praise be to God. We know that's not the case because Jesus rose from the dead three days later. And so what Jesus is talking about to them, he's Again, they're walking to Gethsemane. He's preparing them for the trials that are co- to come in his life. He's like, "Look, you're going to encounter some very a uh, lot of sorrow, but trust in the process. Trust in my promises. Your sorrow will ultimately turn to joy." And he gives this example: when a woman is in labor, she is in pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering. Because of that joy that a person has been born into the world. And indeed, the gospel message is that. It's such a joyous It's such good news. And it's not just this truth claim that we hang on to. It's, it's when we come to the Lord and, and, and humbly repent and turn from our ways of doing things and, and accept Jesus as the gift of salvation as His accomplished work on the cross, as the means in which we can be reconciled to God. When we do that, the Scriptures declare that the Holy Spirit regenerates us, gives, makes us a new creation. He gives, he gives us a heart that is, is, is of flesh, and we are now adopted into God's family. It's a beautiful thing that our Creator God has done for us in the Gospel message. And I don't know if you're like me, but after I got saved and this became a reality, um, I quickly found out that it didn't mean that the Lord would save me from trials and tribulations that were in this life. He didn't save me and immediately remove me from the sin that I've been openly embracing for my, throughout my life until that point. It's, I need to look to Him day by day to deliver me from those things. But, but that is the, the walk that He's left us in in this world. That is the sorrow that we sometimes encounter in this life is the things that we have to endure knowing that the promise of the gospel is the promise that is to come and these disciples he's giving them an illustration of look look you're going to go through them in sorrow but boy when the joy comes it's going to be worth it you're just going to forget about the sorrow verse 22 so you also have sorrow now but i will see you again your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you what powerful words and when he speaks about your sorrow turning into joy, some scholars uh, say that this is a, um, um, a, alluding to um, an Old Testament prophecy that's found in Jeremiah 31.13. This is in the, the messianic reign that Jeremiah is prophesying about, the Messiah reigning and ruling. And he st- says this in Jeremiah 31.13, then the young women will rejoice with dancing, while young and old men rejoice together. I will turn their mor- mourning into joy. And give them consolation and bring happiness out of grief. And so some scholars would say that Jesus proclaiming the sorrow will turn to joy. He's at least alluding to that that prophecy. But we also know in a more uh, specific instance, we also know that Jesus has already talked about how his desire for us is that our joy would be made complete. All right. Beginning in John 15. That by abiding in Christ. Abiding in him. He is Right, The trunk, the tree, we are the branches. And he says, if you, if you want to be firmly established in this world through the trials and tribulations, you must abide in me. In John 15:9, 9, we, t- we see him speaking about this. As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love, he says. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as so I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus, Jesus declares as the followers of Jesus, he desires us to, to follow and keep his commandments. And we see here that keeping his commandments isn't just some task list that he's provided, this checkbox that if you do these rules, then you're going you're gonna to be good with, with God. It's a, it's a means in which he can protect us if we're abiding in Christ and his love, if we desire to do the things and the commands of God and Jesus through his enabling spirit and the power that dwells within us. That is how we can abide in his love. It's a means of protection. It's a means of demonstrating his goodness to those around us. What better way to demonstrate the goodness of God and the free gift of of the gospel by willingly submitting to the commands of God and Jesus? Not out of fear, not out of what's going to happen if we don't, but because of what he's done for us. Think about it. If you're a parent and you're... Young ones, you know, you have to discipline and, and when they're real young and basically they try to or they sometimes do what you say because they're fearful of what you're going to do if they don't. But the goal is to get them to a point of maturity where out of their love and respect for you, they follow what you say and they see that they, you have good intentions and you, pr- and you do those things to protect them. And when they start seeing that, that is the, the best testimony that a parent can have when a child demonstrates their willingness to submit and to obey to their parents because of their love they have for their parents, not out of fear of their parents. And it's the same concept with our God. Our God has provided us a free gift of salvation. Jesus went to the cross, paid the penalty on our account. And he's asking us to submit to him and and as we do, we, we remain and abide in his love, and, 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 and in doing so, we are rooted and firmly rooted in him, even in the trials of life. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete, in verse 11. Our Lord desires us to have joy in our lives, in spite of the circumstances. And in John 15 and 16 and and 14 before that, he's given us these key tools, that he's these these gifts, that as we learn to apply to our life more and more, this experience of the fruit of joy in our lives will become more and more evident because it's not something we can whip up in and of ourselves. It's the same thing as the proclamation of the gospel. We can't do it in our own strength. It's the spirit of God in us as we willingly submit to the things and the, 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 the commands that He's given to us, abide in Christ's love. Go to the Father in prayer in the name of Jesus. Submit to the, the promptings and the, and, and the convictions of the Holy Spirit in your life. These are the ways in which we live for God and in doing so, the fruit of the Spirit becomes evident in our life. And one of those fruits is joy. Praise be to God. But I admit to you that often in my life I've had not had the joy of the Lord and it's a struggle to read these and know what is what I can have as a believer but yet my disconnect from where my walk often is and I think we can all openly admit that. But this is the point uh, this is the walk of the Christian. We are positionally sanctified in Jesus God looks, the Father looks at us and we are, we, are, we are 100% righteous to have the righteousness of Christ that is our right gift given to us through the gospel but progressive sanctification here in this life is the Holy Spirit who enables us, desires us to change us and transform us into the image of Christ, right, he allows trials to come into our life so that we might learn to lean into him, to go to the Father in prayer, to make that time of prayer more consistent with the other things that we usually do or normally do in our life to abide in Christ we learn what that really means through these trials these tribulations these persecutions and he progressively transforms us into the image of Christ and and in doing so the the spirit the fruit of the spirit becomes more active and more apparent and so what we don't want to do is look at each other and go well that person's always joyful and so he must be or she must be a better Christian than me and you know, we're all in a different spot in our progressive walk with our Lord. But it doesn't change the truth of these passages of Scripture that if you desire to have the joy of the Lord in your heart more in your life, as I do, these are the things I need to be committing myself to. Right? It's not just a magic wand that we suddenly get the joy. We, we have to abide and walk in Christ, submit to His commands, and and. and, and Embrace his love that he's demonstrated to us. And day by day, Lord willing, the fruit of joy will be parent in our life. And we see here at, at times, uh, especially specific persecution. When the, me, I hear accounts all the time over in the Middle East or in China where persecution is very prevalent for our brothers and sisters. Right. The, 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 the spirit <laughs> of God just just provides this extra extraordinary capacity to experience joy in the midst of persecution. You see this in Second Corinthians, chapter eight. Paul's writing to this church and he says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. God's grace is unmerited favor because God's grace was amazing here in these churches. During a severe trial or persecution brought about by affliction, they had abundant joy, and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They were impoverished. They were being severely persecuted, yet they had the joy of the Lord so much that even though they didn't have the money they gave for the cause of the kingdom. That's not of us. That's not of human. That's completely anti-human thinking. That is the Spirit of God working in their life to give them that fruit of joy in their life. And we, rest assured, I hope uh, many of us can attest to the fact or the times in our lives when we're just completely undone and God's peace, God's grace shows up in such an abundant form and in spite of what's going on, the peace and joy of God remains. What a great gift God's given us in that. So, specifically, he's talking to his disciples about that he desires for them to have the joy that would remain in spite of the trials and persecutions that are coming. And we see here in the Emmaus encounter, the Emmaus road where Jesus has died. He is in the grave for three days. The third day, he rises from the grave, and his disciples are walking down the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. And, uh, they're and they're walking in there. The scripture says they're downcast. They're, they're bummed out. They're like, our God has died. Our, our Lord, our you know, Messiah has died. He's dead. What are we to do now? They're, they're being human yet again, in spite of what Jesus has proclaimed to them, that this was coming. And all of a sudden, someone comes up behind them and begins to speak with them and begins to share with them from what you see here in verse 25. He said to them, how foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It wasn't necessary, wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into His glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted for them the things concerning Himself and all the Scriptures. So Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, comes up behind Him and begins to said, "How foolish of you! Don't you know that the Old Testament prophecies, yes, talked about." The ruling and reigning Messiah, he would come and rule and reign. He would establish the Davidic kingdom forever. But the scriptures also declared that the Messiah would be the suffering servant who would come to redeem people from their sin. The first advent, the suffering servant who came not to judge but to save. And so Jesus taught them from the Old Testament scriptures how this was the reality. This is how Jesus had come this is what the Messiah's true role was and it was in the scriptures all along their expectations were built up in their human traditions not of the word and so he, he showed them those things and jumping down to verse 40 um, he breaks bread with them and all of a sudden they, admit, they see they're like this, that's Jesus and he disappears and he reappears it's a, it's a great passage of scripture you might want to review this afternoon or sometime this week and uh, but ultimately he ends up coming back to them and, and sharing with them, and so the, the, the disciples are interacting with the risen Savior in verse forty. And he says, having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, right, the wounds. But while they were still, were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, they had immense sorrow. They didn't care about that sorrow anymore, did they? Because of their joy. The joy that he had promised them here in John 16 was in the reality in their life. He asked them, do you have anything to eat? And so we see that the sorrow that they en- endured and encountered was uh, only the beginning of the sorrow and the persecution that they would endure as after Christ would ascend 40 days after he resurrected to be at the right hand of the Father. But he again demonstrated that his, he is true and faithful in his promises. That their sorrow that they encountered while Jesus was dying in those three days, they suddenly forgot about. They didn't care about that sorrow anymore because of the joy of having seen the risen Savior. And then we see here, in John, going back to John 16, verse 23, Jesus says this, And that day you will, ask me, you will not ask me anything, so he's saying there's a coming a day where you'll not be able to ask me anything is what, ultimately what he's saying. Right now, they could ask Jesus any question they wanted to. right? They're walking with him. They see him physically. but then that day, that coming day that's coming, you won't be able to ask me anything because I won't be here. Right? He's always promised, I must go so that the, the God the Spirit may come. And so he's like, look, you won't have the opportunity to ask me anything. Truly I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. However... You can't ask me directly face-to-face, but you will be able to ask your God the Father anything in my name. And the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus' name. And it's not just the authority, but it's in line and in the lockstep of who Jesus is. His character. His integrity. His his will, right? We When we come to the Father in Jesus' name, John would expound in 1 John that we're, according to the... God's will, right? That's what we come to the Father and pray in the authority of Jesus, and, and it's in line and lockstep with God's will to be done, and not our own. If we come to the Father and in the name of Jesus and it's his authority, and lockstep up with his will, his desire to do your will, maybe the simplest and most powerful prayer we can ever pray is, God, your will be done. Your will be done in this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you ask anything in my name, you will be have; you, he will give it to you. And so he's telling them, look, I won't be here physically, but I will be here through the presence of the Spirit. You have access to your God through my name, through what I will do on the cross. The veil will be torn. You can enter into the throne at any time. And He, if you ask, He will give you. Verse 24, ask and you receive receive. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Right? They didn't have to. They could just ask Jesus directly. But He says at that point, ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy may be complete. God desires us to have joy in the midst of the trial. And these are the things we have to submit to and and lean into and we see that working in the apostles' lives and so we have the indwelling spirit of God we have the opportunity to pray and and ask God in according to his will what what you know anything that we that is on our mind or troubling us to take it to him what an immense and just a, a great privilege we have and that was the reality for them but it, this is also the reality for us. And so I thought it was funny that Jesus opened this up and says, a little while, right? He's not giving them... Dir- and, and, and one day I'm going to go to the cross and, and three days later I'm going to... He just says, a little while. It's an ambiguous statement, right? To, and, and, and ultimately, I, I love that because we all have our, our little whiles, right? We're all walking in a little while. We have the promises of God. We might be suffering severe physical afflictions, we might be going through persecution at work. Our family might have shut us out because of our beliefs or whatever. We're all enduring these things, and so we all have a little while, right, to, to seize the promises. We all might be enduring sorrow in this life. And so just as it was for the disciples, it is for us. We all have our little while before the sorrow that we're enduring now will turn into joy, and the things we're enduring now, we will c- it won't matter anymore. Because we will see our Jesus face to face. Psalm 30 speaks of this, Christian. uh, If you lack joy, you know, the the Scriptures teach us to to put off and put on. So in um, Colossians and Ephesians, Paul goes into great detail about um, the things that are are hindering our walk, and he calls us to put those things off. To put those, to shed those things. But if we just stop by saying, I don't want to do that anymore, right? Or I don't, I I am just not gonna do that, or I, I'm not, I'm gonna I um whatever. We're just being pharisaical. But Paul then goes on, goes on to call us to be put on things, to put those things off and then put on godly things. And so we see here and recognize if you're like me, that often the joy of the Lord is not. A consistent thing in my life and so I need to I have the lack of joy of the Lord and so what does God call me to do he calls me to put on the things of God and and go to his word to be encouraged to to praise the Lord for his goodness in my life to not be downcast but to look to him and and these couple songs that I just picked out that I often go to to encourage me when I don't feel the presence and the joy that god has promised me sing to the lord you his faithful and praise his holy name be able to do that with the church body is so important right we've learned that last few weeks sing to the lord you his faithful ones you saints and and praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a moment but his favor a lifetime Weeping may stay overnight, but there's joy in the morning. It's coming. Psalm 16, 8 through 9. It is always, I, I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Right? These two are not independent of one another. I have to let the Lord guide me. Right, trust in, the way, trust in the Lord with all your might, lean not into your own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, he will make your path straight, and the times I feel most distant from him are the times when I'm doing the driving, I always let the Lord guide me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices, my bo- body also rests securely, Oh, what a great gift to have the joy of the Lord in our lives. May it be an ever-increasing apparent fruit in my life and in yours is my prayer. If you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you've not repented from religious works or your own righteousness or whatever you've been doing, if you've not understood that your need, that Jesus paid the penalty for you, the, the sin penalty, from a just and holy God, He went to the cross and, and paid that penalty for you so that you might receive eternal life by trusting and believing in Him. He has done it for you. Religions say, do this, do that. And the gospel proclaims, it is finished. It is done in Jesus. If that's not a reality in your life, I pray that you would, you would today call out to Jesus If thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This joy can be yours today. You don't have to do anything to clean yourself up so he'll accept you. He loves you right where you're at. Believe in Jesus and experience this joy and this peace that God can provide that passes all understanding through what Christ has done. Father God, be we loving, we're thankful for this opportunity to just um, be able to be reminded, of the Lord, of what you provided for us, this salvation. That yes, it provides us eternal life and the life to come, but it also provides us the, the assurance and knowing that you are with us and you are in us and, and dwelling us and empowering us for this walk. And the trials that are to come, the persecution that is to come. We are so thankful that you are the means in which we can sustain these things. And so we just praise you, God, for your goodness, and thank you for the gift of the Spirit that indwells our hearts. Our prayer this morning, Lord, is that we'd be more um, able to discern and to just allow him to lead us, Lord, allow him to guide us, allow him to, to do a work in us, that we may abide in the love that's demonstrated in Christ and Christ's love. Would that help us to that to be a reality in our lives, Lord? So that we are our, your joy that you've given us, Lord, would be complete. Lord, we ask that as you do those things, that those around us who do not know you would see the joy, would see your light, would see your goodness. And would provide opportunities for us for, for us to share the good news to them the good news that Jesus has come to seek and to save them and deliver them from the judgment that is to come. And so, Lord, we cry out to you that you would do these things for your glory. And we ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're just going to have an opportunity now to um, sing one final song as we close up. This is a song of imitation. I always want to provide an opportunity for you to to interact with the Lord in prayer through song as to what the Spirit might have laid on in your heart this morning. And so I also want to provide an opportunity for anyone and everyone that does not know Jesus as their Savior to allow this to be the time that they would call out to Jesus. I'd be more than happy to show you in Scripture how that could be a reality to you. From the book, from the Word of God, how salvation can be yours by simply accepting and receiving Jesus and His accomplished work alone. I Brother Jim.